Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I honor and I thank you, God. I pray that you would help us get into your word. Truly, it's the interest of your word that brings light and life. And I pray, along with these, that the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ will shine bright in here today. Lord, I pray through the revelation of your word, these your people will see you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly. Now, Lord, let the words in my mouth, meditation in my heart, be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you're my strength and redeemer. And every glad and happy heart at home or in the room, say amen. amen. Turn to somebody on your left or your right, whether you're home or here, and say, you know, I'm glad you're here. Good to see you. You're looking good. And oh, what's your name? Yeah. You know, may I ask them their name? You know, yeah. Hey, appreciate that now. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, okay. So, now I don't know about you. But how many of you actually um, heard a story that was in the news uh, maybe a month or so ago about a Zambian pastor? The Zambian pastor literally told his church to bury him alive because in three days he would be raised from the dead. So what the church did was listen to him. They buried him alive, and three days later, they dug his dead body out. Now, I wonder about the pastor and where he was getting his information from, but I also wondered about the congregation. Why, why, why would they agree to kill their pastor? <laughs> um, and why somebody didn't say, like the other scriptures, like, you know, test the spirit to see whether it's of God or not, or don't put the Lord to the test. Obviously, something went very wrong. The leader had information that was misapplied and incorrect, and he actually absolutely missed it, and everyone else missed it with him. There are places you can go or things you can look at where you see all of these leaders who all say they have the truth and all say they have Christ and yet can pull in different directions, even pull away from the Bible. And it seems to be no policing of that or limited policing of it. In fact, in our own city, there are churches that I will not name that actually uh, don't believe in the deity of Christ. That means they believe he was a man, but not God in flesh. And yet they call themselves a Christian church. And we sometimes, because someone else calls themselves a Christian church, say, hey, you don't have to come to Bethel. Go. You can go there. They love Christ. No. It's something disheartening and disappointing when you receive information from a leader 
or when you see leaders talk and they can't reconcile information or, or what's the truth and what's a lie. Kind of frustrating. Y'all, y'all ever been frustrated by that? Or the one person that gets on the news that's saying some stuff that you're like, man, I, hope, I just hope that, who is their pastor? Well, it's not me. Y'all, I'm just going to tell you, don't ever get on the news and say you're from Bethel if you do not have doctrinal soundness. We just have to send you an email. <laughs> we will find you. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> so, okay. Now, this church that we're going to talk about today in, in Galatians was going through some similar situations like that where they were, were receiving some information that was just um, incorrect. It was false. It was, and it was bringing them into a bad place instead of a good place. But the worst part about the place that they were in is that they did not recognize it. And Paul is having to come to them and say, hey, I want to give you a little help. And this is where we're going to pick up the story in Galatians chapter uh, 6, verse 6, I believe. Here we go. One who is taught in the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. This is a church that was in need of somebody teaching them again what be the elementary principle, ABCs and one, two, threes of the faith. Paul was a person who actually birthed the church in Galatians and he loved them. He, and, and he heard about what was going off in that church and he said, instead of saying, well, they're just off, I don't want to have anything to do with them, he in love actually went close and, 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 and did not back up. He began to help them understand where they were going wrong. He spent the first two chapters in the book of Galatians actually validating who he was. Look, I'm an apostle. I birthed you guys. You can trust me. He had to reestablish that. Can you know as, as a parent, you know when your kids start learning a little bit in school and they start getting smarter than you? Well, so they think. And you have to reestablish. I went to school too. I've been in the fifth grade before. You know, Paul's having to kind of clear that up and he's, he's proven, look, I, I, I'm, I'm trustworthy, I'm legitimate, don't worry, just, just, just you know, you, you, you can hang with me. And so, so in the second and in the third and the fourth chapter, what Paul begins to do is go directly after the doctrinal era that was in the church. They had departed from the gospel. He preached to them that would birth them. They departed from the truth that Salvation is by faith alone, through Christ alone, by grace alone. And they had entered into a, a kind of going backwards, and they got into work righteousness and keeping the law and all of this. And it was actually a destructive doctrine for the church. And it was troubling to Paul. And Paul, in chapter 6, where we're focused, is trying to not only reestablish who he is, tell them where the error is, but he's trying to say, here's how you should live this out. And Paul is, is relating to him because he understands that he's been where they are. Paul was a Pharisee. Paul was a, somebody who, who was a 
chief leader in Judaism, and, and, and he was actually persecuting the church. He was killing uh, believers. He was actually on his way to kill believers. And Jesus Christ lovingly met him on the road to Damascus and knocked him down and gave him a real presentation of the gospel to which he surrendered to. And so Paul is acting much like Christ would when we have off thinking or off doctrine that comes. He comes and deals with it. I want to beg you, whether the off doctrine is in you, deal with it. Whether the off doctrine is in your home, I want you to deal with it. Whether the off doctrine in your church, I don't care if it's coming from me. I want you to deal with it. Why? Because the Bereans searched the scriptures night and day to figure out if what Paul said was true or not. You need to look at the scriptures and figure out if I'm, what I'm saying is true or not. I am empowering you to be good disciples or followers of Christ. And if I depart from that, I am no longer qualified. The elders will remove me. You should challenge me because that's how serious it is that we work together as a community of believers to make sure we have right doctrine. Paul is not shrinking back from his responsibility to love on the church through disappointment. See, now these group of people are now hearing Paul talk about the truth, talk about the way. Now they actually realize that the people who were leading them have led them astray. Can you imagine how you would feel if you realized that I or somebody else had actually taught you something that did not have a biblical uh, a backbone to it or, or, or a foundation, and it would actually cause pain in your life? And had you working more adversarial to the gospel and instead of partnership with the gospel, you could be soured by that. And he is speaking to people. You have to understand how you would feel if you found that out. And in this day and age, we know that when people don't like something or they find out something is in error, the typical thing we do is separate ourselves from it. Well, I'm not going back there. What did they say? Oh, no. And, and we have a bunch of people after the pandemic, uh, uh, the health pandemic and the ethnic pandemic that heard things that they didn't like. And instead of leaning in, they got out. You know by the empty seat that's sitting next to you. And so it is easy for us to get into fear and get into mistrust when we find information that says bury the pastor. and He'll rise from the dead. Something off comes in. What are you on? Paul comes back and he begins to love them with the truth. He begins to give them the reason to live. And this particular scripture says, the person who's teaching you what's off, the person who's instructing you on how you really should live, I want you to share all good things with them. Now, this sounds like Paul is trying to raise an offering for the benefit of himself instead of recalibrate a church that's been an enemy to the gospel and make them a partner in the gospel. The thing to do when you're disappointed and when you're let down and when you're hurt is not to lean out, it's to lean in and to begin to give yourself to the things in the work of God. So if you've actually got the right message about what the gospel really is and you've divorced yourself from the false gospel, whether it's preached by an angel or another man or the community, then you actually need to now begin to give to that work. And giving to that work is a person. In other words, God is asking them, I want you to trust man again. A man just lets you down. A man just led you astray. But I'm not going to change the way I work through people. I still want you to trust another man. I know the enemy will whisper to you, you can't trust anybody these days. I don't trust anybody but myself. But you know, you can't trust yourself either. Okay. 
Put no trust in yourself. Trust not thyself. Okay, so, so, so here it is. If you've, got a, if you've got what? If you've got a clear understanding that salvation, Galatian church, is by Christ alone, by faith alone, the grace alone, then you're ready to give your life to that work. Why can I tell you that? Because I, Paul, when I found out what true salvation was, I gave all of myself to God. When you talk about sowing into the kingdom, I'm not talking about a portion. I'm not talking about financing. I'm not just talking about giving a little something. I'm talking about putting your whole self in the bucket, in the bag, as the offering, saying I'm available. He says, oh, if you look, go back to verse six. I just want you to see it so you know I'm not making it up. Verse six says it this way. He says, I, I want you to share in all good things. Everything good about me is up for grabs. Everything good about you is up for grabs for the benefit of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to know that there, 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 there comes that moment in time, there comes that moment in life where you have got to confront what's off around you. And if it is in competition with the gospel, if it's fighting against the gospel, then you know that it is off. It can't fight it. And when you find the gospel, it's worth your whole life. So now let's look at verse 7. Verse 7 says it like this. Do not be deceived. I don't need you tricked. I don't need you led astray or, or going in the wrong direction or believing the lie versus the truth of God, God is not mocked. He's not made a fool of. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. If one man sows to his own flesh, well, the flesh reap corruption, but if he sows to the spirit, well, of the spirit reap eternal life. I want to I wanna deal with this because if you've got it, you need to give it what? Got, get, got, if you've got what? The right message, you need, to, you need to give whatever you have to that gospel message. But if you're going to give, you need to give right. You need to give not out of a lie, not out of deception, but based on the truth. Be not deceived. You know, a lot of us, raise your hand. It, this might be painful, but I want you to do it. If you've ever been duped or tricked by a shyster, somebody's actually taking, taking you. Go, don't be ashamed. Go ahead, lift it up high. Yeah. You've ever been tricked. Like, leave it up for a minute. Let, let that shoulder pain come right there. Just leave it up. You ever been tricked? Okay, put it down. We all can be deceived. But let's get to the progression of deception, not to the external first, but let's go to the internal. The, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, don't deceive yourself. Before someone else can deceive you, you have to lead yourself wrong. You have to change the narrative for yourself. So who actually tricked Eve? Was it the snake or was it her? Because the Bible says that when asked what was happening, she said, the serpent deceived me. God didn't say the serpent deceived her. The Bible says she saw the tree that God had called 
evil, knowledge of good and evil, and she saw that it was good for food, and she took and ate it. She deceived herself. And the deception was God cannot be trusted. God is holding out on me. God is not letting me in on everything. And because he's not, I don't want to give him the power. I want to take all the power and be like him, not over him, just like him. She deceived herself if that's something she could actually give to herself. Then she took the the ambiguity that the enemy had created and she went into deeper deception because the Bible says in Revelations that the Satan has come to deceive the whole world. Then then she bought into another thing or or we can buy into another thing, which is the kingdom of this world that that opposes God. Because God begins to list a bunch of things in the scripture that says you cannot inherit the kingdom of God if you do all of these things. You see, don't be deceived. Don't be tricked. God is not mocked. In other words, God is never false. God has never proven wrong. You can never say, I got you, God. Thought you said the sun was going to rise in the east and set in the west. It switched. You know, in other words, that's a law. That doesn't change. If I step off of this stage, I am going to fall. I'm going to crack a kneecap. Something's going to happen because the law is still there of gravity. There's another law or principle that says, he that humbles himself shall be, he who humbles himself shall be he that exalts himself shall be. It's, it's a principle. It doesn't matter if you like it. If you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. If you exalt yourself, you're going to be humbled. This law in this scripture says, if you sow, you will reap. If you sow, you will reap. Paul, in the previous chapter, is trying in Galatians 5 to get them to examine whether they live a life according to the spirit or whether they live a life according to the flesh because he's trying to get them to look at the fruit of their life and determine what have you been sowing. Because Paul said if you got it, you need to give it. But the proof if you're giving in the right direction or the wrong direction is what has been the fruit of your life. Let's look at Galatians uh, 5 together if you have that scripture because I don't. <laughs> For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Verse 18. But if you are led of the spirit, you are not under the law. And here it is. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality is a work of the flesh. I don't care how popular it becomes to live with your boyfriend or to live with your girlfriend or to actually be in a physical, intimate relationship with someone you don't have a marriage covenant with. I I don't care how many times somebody tells you you, it's okay to just look at perversity uh, on the internet or on TV or whatever. I don't care who tells you that sensuality won't have ingested over time, won't have an effect on you. This is a fruit of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. I love Mickey Mouse 
even when he is wearing his sorcerer's hat. I love Mickey Mouse. I love all of the Marvel comics, you know, Scarlet the Witch. And Th- but there are some things, uh, spirits of the world that desensitize us to the spiritual and demonic forces that are, that are given into. And there's a generation who's growing up who didn't grow up quite like you, who thinks that these mystical things are, are real. And they're, they're at home casting spells and stuff like this. And if you see that type of sowing into the flesh long enough. Now, I'm not condemning Mickey Mouse watching or superheroes. I'm just trying to tell you if the outflow of your life is something fleshly driven, then it has a hold on you. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, uh, a little too fast. Robbery, dissensions, divisions. How, I'm going to help you understand this. This world has told us that it's all right to just be mad at each other and walk around angry and be frustrated when somebody doesn't say things the way you want them to say or do things like you want to do. But no, the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. Are you living a life just full of division, just full of anger, just full of strife, just full of enmity? This is a work of the flesh, and you've got to ask yourself, what type of seeds am I sowing? Envy, drunkenness. Orgies. I mean, I can't believe that the, the Bible would actually list these things. And I want to say this. There is nothing wrong with drinking. I am not a drinker, it's, it's, but there's nothing wrong with drinking. I'm not going to condemn myself one day if I have a glass of wine, but I don't do that. But I bet you I can condemn myself. But you got to ask yourself the question. Are you drinking to the point that is, be, that is going beyond are you sipping little by little and, and, and numbing yourself and, and, and getting to the point where, where you're intoxicated? This is what it's talking about. It's not condemning the whole thing. This is what we've got to do. But what, is, what has been sown in orgies? See, if you don't check the other stuff, sexual impurity and immorality, you might find yourself becoming someone or doing something that is wildly out of the ordinary, that, that is gross to even come to your brain. But this is the type of thing that you're being desensitized through in television and in social media and everything. And don't think that you can't get caught out to the left doing something crazier that you never thought you would do. Because if you sow the wrong seeds over time, longer, enough, it will become some type of harvest of fruit that you will have to reap. And it doesn't matter. It could be me, it could be, it doesn't matter. This principle, this law, God is not mocked. This will happen to anybody. He said, and I warn you, as I've warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, sometimes people say, you have to, if it feels good to you, you could do what you want to do. You know, I call it being sincerely wrong. When someone says, love who you want to love. Well, is that a biblical truth or a fleshly truth? God has established, you know, marriage between one man and one, one woman. To bring anybody else into that equation would be a fleshly desire. If a woman is with another woman as she would be with a man, she's in a fleshly desire. If a man is with another man, like he should be with a woman, he's in a fleshly desire. Well, you say, I love that person. I don't doubt that you may have given them your love, but, you're, but you've given in to the flesh. And the flesh is a deceiver, and God won't be mocked. If you sow to that, you will reap corruption. That means your life is not going to go right. Now, all of us 
can find ourselves in sin patterns. Oh, I'm going to just stop here. All of us can sow to the flesh. So we sometimes highlight what we think are the big sins. But what are all sin is big to God? It's all a bad pattern. But guess what? To avoid getting buried alive, you have to interact with the truth. This is the truth of what it means, what Paul is trying to get this church to see. Living like this is not acceptable. You know, if this is the fruit, you're not living by the Spirit. If this is the fruit, you're going to stay angry and isolated, and you're going to be able to do whatever you want to do. But the church is here to test the Spirit. If it's of the flesh, it's not of God. They're contrary to one another. So what does the Spirit sowing and reaping look like? The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. Man, you know, when I read that list, I think that's an awesome person. Who wouldn't want to be named like that? And I, and, I, and I get upset with myself because I don't see myself as that list all the time. I don't see that that's the full fruit of my life. And I find myself like anybody else needing the church to help me with this, like we have experiencing spiritual freedom coming up this week. You're in the sin pattern. You can't break it. You've been in it a long time. You need supernatural breakthrough and you need someone to help you with another pattern. You don't need to stay in condemnation. You don't need to stay in the flesh because the only way out of the flesh is to live a life according to the Spirit, to start sowing in a different direction. I want to be a person of peace. Anybody want to be a person of peace? Praise God. Now, now watch what Paul has done. He said, remember, he said, if you got it, you need to give it. He said, but when you give it, you need to give it right. You need to understand you don't, shouldn't be deceived. You can't be mocked. That God's got a seesaw principle. And he said, when you be good, don't just do it to me, Paul. Do it for God. And he said, and do it for the house of God. Verse 10 says, so that as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those to the household of God. This is why we sow in, in giving, returning tithes, giving offerings. We sow to the kingdom of God because of the benefit. Now look at this last point in, this, um, in Galatians uh, 6, verse 9. Let us not grow weary in doing good. Can you imagine the group of people who are frustrated with the church because they got a bunch of half-truths, myths, truths, things that hurt them, things that made them God's enemy versus God's partner? Can you imagine the frustration of trying to do the right thing to someone who did the wrong thing to you. It can, it can feel weary because you don't see the results right away. You don't see the breakthrough right away. You don't see God's hand of justice right away. You don't even see God's uh, hand of mercy right away. And you get weary, you get fatigued, not because there's a lack of effort, because there is effort, but you feel like your effort is going nowhere. But he's telling you, don't get weary and don't actually give up if you, if, if, if you look at that. So that's the two things that are the temptation for you. There's going to be a temptation when, when, you ha- when you get it, not to give it. There's going to be a temptation is when you've got it, not to do it right or to get fatigued with doing it right or to get fatigued with, with, with and just want to throw in the towel or, or 
hang it all up or take a vacation from church, a vacation from the people of God, a vacation from the things of God because you're just frustrated with what is going on. And there's a lot of people right now who have just taken a vacation, like they're just going to take a break. Bearing the mission of Christ, which is to communicate the gospel in word and deed. It's buried. And we need it resurrected. Verse 10, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to the household of God. So he said, don't give up. If you got it, don't give up. Don't quit. Let me tell you, in closing, kind of like the thing that makes you want to quit, but I'm going to get, help you understand where you are in the process so you will be motivated not to give up. Mark 4, one of my uh, favorite uh, verses in the Bible, um, and Pastor Rice says, I'm actually going to read it to you because I think it's something that you're going to want to know, speaking to your hearing. It says, and he said, the kingdom of God is as a man scattering seed on the ground, and he sleeps night and day, and the seed begins to grow, and he knows not how. And it begins to produce by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. And immediately when it, the grain is ripe, at once he puts it to sickle because the harvest has come. In other words, here's how the kingdom of God works. Here's how living by faith works. Here's how sowing and reaping works. You go and you sow a seed and you go to sleep and you begin to rest and you begin to wait. You get up night and day, you don't have to worry about it because the seed begins to grow by itself and you don't know how. You don't know how God is working, you just know God is working because don't be deceived, he's not mocked. If you sow it, you will, will, will reap it. And the seed begins to grow and he gives you a little sign, a blade of grass that's coming up or, or some type of blade, a, a, a stalk coming. Then it grows and it's got an ear in it. Then immediately you can see the full grown fruit on it and now it is useful to you. Some of us give up because we, we, our seed is trying to break through the earth. Some of us give up because we just see a little sign of improvement in our spouse, but we don't see all the improvement that we want, so we give up. Some of us give up right when, when, then, when, the, when the work of God in your life is there, but it's immature. If you just let it fully grow, if you let God fully do his work, then you're going to have a harvest that you can reap, and it's going to give you energy. It's going to give you a feeling of breakthrough. It's going to help you not feel estranged, but it's going to help you feel connected. How can I sum up this work? Paul has moved us, moved us through a progression. He says, Galatian church, you've been bewitched. You've been tricked. Part of it, you've deceived yourself. Part of it, you've been deceived by leaders. Part of it, you've been deceived by Satan. But he's coming now to bring the truth. Paul said, I love you enough to actually tell you the truth, the truth about what the gospel is and how you need to live according to that gospel. And you need to, in your pain and in your confusion, not isolate, but you need to give to me who is doing that work. And ultimately, if you can't see it from me, understand it is God's principle at work. And if you start doing it and you get frustrated because it's not producing for you to right away, don't grow weary and well-doing. You shall reap if you do not faint, Galatians and Bethel. What I'm going to tell you is this. Number one, if you got to give it. Number two, if you got it, give it right. And whatever you do, don't give up, don't cave in, and don't quit. Never, never Live based on the lie when a truth is available to you. Never. 
You know, I think back to the Zambian pastor we talked about in the beginning, and I thought to myself, I wonder if he sold some patterns to that congregation or his friends of extremism before he actually saw it grow. I wonder if someone could have got in there like Paul and lovingly confronted him earlier on, would he not have still been alive today? We are a body of believers together. The Bible says if you see your brother, in, in Galatians, if you see your brother overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual should restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you be tempted also. I'm telling you that don't run away from the church when it's flawed. But don't be silent. Keep the gospel as the main thing that we're working together on. As you stand to your feet, I'm going to kind of conclude with some good news that God showed me through this message. One is that it's reaping season for you. God began to tell me that he has seen the seeds that he has sown. He's seen the work that you've done. He's seen with what heart you've done it with. And especially if you're a businessman or a woman in here or somebody who's trying to start something, God began to speak to me about those professionals here that God said, you, you have sown and you're, you're, you're about to go into your reaping season. You've sown the right thing, you're going to reap the right thing. You have to. It's a law. This is not about a hocus pocus. This is something where God is confirming to you. He sees you. Second group of people I want to pray for are those who know they've sowed the wrong seeds. And God said, you know what? I'm going to give them who need it, who asked for it, a crop failure. God is going to let your seed, should you desire to partner with him today, just fail. All the wrong seed, God has the ability through his sovereignty to just cause it to fail. And he wants to do that for you today. The last thing I'll pray for, and I have this desperate prayer for myself as well as you, is that I would never partner with a false gospel. I wouldn't listen to an angel that comes, a voice that comes, some internet blogger, some conspiracy theorist. I'll search the scriptures of God night and day to find out whether what the preacher is saying is true or not. The way we keep our community safe is keeping the word preeminent. That's why we look in our Bibles. Ministry team, I want you to come down because I perceive today that there are people here who just want to get some things right. Because our God is not into condemnation. He's into taking you in the worst possible condition that you might be in and not telling you how horrible you are, but telling you how good his grace is and how good his mercy is. Sometimes we need to see it and we need to experience it freshly. God wants to pour out on you today. He doesn't want you to be defined by your sin pattern. He wants you to be defined by who he is in your life. And he's trying to be he, if you allow him, he could be the great I am. He could be everything you need him to be today. So I'm going to pray for those three groups of people. And either while I'm praying or at the conclusion of my prayer, you just slip up here and the ministers will pray for you. Bow your head. Lord, I thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for giving me a clear word that you saw all of the good seeds that have been sown by these people those who have given their time, their talent, their treasure, their whole life. Thank you for telling me you saw them and that this is reaping season. I come in agreement with your word that they're going to reap 
Their businesses are going to prosper. Their homes are going to prosper. Their endeavors are going to prosper. They're going to prosper in their workplace. They're going to prosper in their friendship relationships. They're going to prosper in their ministry. This is a prosperous harvest season for you've sown the right seeds. Lord, a second group I pray for. God, I even reflect on my own self as a parent sometimes wishing I had crop failure. I ministered to my kids out of frustration. Every negative seed, every off seed that we have sown, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, crop failure over every seed, God. Bring it up from the root. Don't let the works of the flesh manifest in our life, God. We sorry. We repent. God, would you purge us and cleanse us and wash us, God, that we might be free from the flesh pattern and, and giving way to the spirit. Finally, Lord, I pray that this church would have the pure, unadulterated gospel in its heart, coming out of its mouth, lived out in every life and that if any other competing voice comes that we would be able to squelch it and to cast it down bless these your people in Jesus name now listen to me she's going to sing for about a minute I'm going to give some of you who need another human being to just pray with you maybe you just need to proclaim something to another human I, I felt the Lord did something in my life Whatever the ministry need, need is or the next desire, maybe God spoke to you something you need to do, you need to confirm it with another human. But as we sanctify this moment for just a minute or two, if you need any prayer, you need to come to the altar to have a personal moment, I'm going to let you do it right now. You just come. See. You've